Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 060 at 5. 066 Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hello everyone, Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us today. We are so excited to get started and give you a sneak peek of what we have in store for you in 2022. I'll be joined in this preview episode by my co-host Trevor. We'll be sharing a little bit more about who we are with the Flying Midwest community. We'll talk about the origins of the Flying Midwest podcast and dive into the goals and vision for the future of the show. There we go. You ready? Yeah, we're in business. <laughs> we're in business. <laughs> What's going on, Trevor? How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Kind of so, an interesting day in, uh, in aviation with that uh, F-15, huh? Yeah. So uh, for those of you not in central Illinois, there was a bit of a shakeup, pardon the pun, that was completely intentional. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a shakeup over central Illinois. Early this morning, local authorities were reporting that there was a loud noise and shaking felt by many residents throughout central Illinois. It ended up being an F-15 that was in the airspace that did a course correction then created a sonic boom. It kind of brings me back to, to Oshkosh, you know, this year. Um, those of you that have been around Oshkosh, there's lore that said that uh, one of the F-15 or F-16 pilots went ahead and uh, broke the sound barrier across the, across the flight line. So as we looked a little bit more into this, Boeing and the military have both confirmed that the aircraft in question was an F-15EX Strike Eagle that created that sonic boom. They've been testing that aircraft in the area for a few months, it looks like now. And it looks like this isn't even the first time that they've had an incident like this. They had another sonic boom report back in September as well. You know, it's kind of interesting. The Illinois Emergency Management Agency, the IMEA, uh, like you said, it hasn't, this probably hasn't been the first time that's it, it's been observed, but there's actually a video on the Fox 4 uh, KC website that actually has a ring uh, security camera door, you know, doorbell sort of uh, contraption. You can actually hear it. It kind of sounds like a gunshot, you know, kind of like the, uh, the gunshot heard across Illinois. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting video to watch. If you want to check it out, we'll put a link for that in our show notes. In some other news, as we were looking through some of the Facebook groups that we have been following as part of growing the Flying Midwest community, uh, we found an article out of California involving um, some fuel issues over there. Trevor, you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah. So this actually is a letter that came from the FAA to the county of Santa Clara, um, basically the, the, the county airport administration. And there's a there's a push in California to, at least in these two airports, 
um, to limit the amount of 100 low lead that's available. Obviously, in the Midwest flying community, um, we operate mostly piston-driven uh, airplanes. So it's kind of it's kind of alarming, but at the same time, it's 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 uh, it's nice to see that we're getting some backing from the FAA that that hey, look, we need to keep general aviation viable. We need to keep uh, we need to keep the ball rolling. Obviously, we have to make advancements towards it, but um, there's a uh, there's a there's a fight that's brewing about uh, the elimination of 100 low lead. So we'll obviously keep an eye on this um, as the uh, as the deadline draws near during the uh, during the informal investigation that the FAA is conducting. But um, we'll obviously bring you more up to date information as that comes to light. Yeah, certainly not something that's in the Midwest today, but you never know when that could expand to other airports that could affect our region. And I know that in doing some additional research on that, um, as far as like sustainable fuels and things like that, um, there are some pushes across the industry to start looking into some more of those sustainable fuels as opposed to the 100 low lead that we are so accustomed to using. So certainly a topic that will likely come up again in the near future. Absolutely. Something else interesting we found on the Missouri Pilots Association Facebook page, looks like they've got like a vanity, like specialty plate now for um, aviators. Looks like it came out of an EAA chapter, EAA 944. Um, and frankly, I'm kind of jealous. It's a pretty cool looking license plate. We'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. I was going to say I have one that uh, I'd seen one yesterday that was uh, um, 4 p.m., tea time oh, for like a golfer or something yeah golf <laughs> on an audi well this one goes a step further this is like an actual like vinyl skin that's on the license plate um that so they essentially laminate that on top of the regular um aluminum plate it's kind of it's got yellow and there's like an aircraft on it it's it's actually really slick so um yeah we'll put that in the show notes if there's any missouri aviators listening that are interested in this uh the link that we'll put in here is actually a link that you can actually go about figuring out how to purchase these for your automobile. Um, again, I'm pretty jealous. We don't have a this nice background. We've got some pretty cool, like specialty plates, like the support your troops and things like that. But this one's just aviation related and it's just really neat. Pretty cool opportunity. You know, it's kind of unique looking at this uh, license plate that they have here in Missouri. Minnesota doesn't really have anything quite like that, but we do have something that, that I think is kind of unique in our backyard, which is the uh, the Fly Minnesota Passport. Uh, for those of you that in Minnesota, you can you can collect uh, all these stamps at the at the public airports, and you could, you know, depending on how far you fly and all the stamps you get, uh, you could get a leather jacket from the state of Minnesota. So it's mm -hmm. kind of an interesting concept to kind of keep aviation alive. You know, one thing that I've always been kind of concerned about, especially recently, is the is the uh, the the smaller the smaller numbers of pilots that are, that we're turning out as an industry. You know, obviously it's you know, cost. There's a lot of cost that's associated with it. Um, there's there's you know job shortages. When we talked about COVID and and you know thousands of pilots getting laid off from major airlines, trying to keep aviation as kind of like a hometown feel and kind of Keeping it alive is going to be where it's at. Well, another neat thing about that program is because it's got all those different airports, it's it's encouraging you to visit all these other small airports around the state. Um, you're supporting them and giving them some business, obviously, when you're buying fuel there, things like that. And if you're going for that $100 hamburger, you're supporting that community as well. So 
pretty cool program. Absolutely. One of the guys I used to work with at the airline, he and his father flew their, um, their Challenger, which was the predecessor to the Piper Archer, but the later version of the PA-28-180, uh, the Piper Challenger, and they actually won uh, one of the jackets. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. In other news, that's kind of on a national level. When we look at uh, when we look at infrastructure and whatnot, um, obviously Congress and and the president signed in the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which actually gave about 15 billion dollars across aviation related projects. Uh, and more specifically, when we start looking at our aging infrastructure at the airports, um, you know maybe it's putting in a, a, a new instrument landing system. Maybe it's um, upgrading the taxi lights. Maybe it's putting in a new runway, re- resurfacing a runway. A lot of these funds, especially when you go to the FAA.gov, you can actually see the bipartisan infrastructure law and airport infrastructure and where this money is going to. Now, the transportation secretary uh, said the bipartisan infrastructure has been has given us once in a lifetime opportunity to build safer and more sustainable airports that connect in- individuals to jobs and communities to the world. This is new funding. Urban, regional, and rural airports across the country uh, now can get to work on projects that have been waiting that have been waited for years, modernizing their infrastructure and building a better America. And just in the Midwest region alone, we're looking at three hundred and sixty million dollars coming towards uh, airport infrastructure, both airside and landside operations. So this is going to go towards improving runways, taxiways. Um, airport-owned towers, terminal development projects, noise reduction projects, just a lot of things to help address that aging infrastructure around the nation's airports. And then, for example, Des Moines is slated to get a a $5.49 million uh, cash infusement on airport improvements. You look at Fort Dodge, $295,000, and that's just in Iowa. If you look at Chicago O'Hare, for example, they're looking at $73 million dollars. Chicago Midway is looking at $20 million, but let's go a little bit more granular. Let's look at Minnesota, for example. We have a lot of airports in the state. You look at Rochester, which Rochester, Minnesota houses Mayo Clinic. They're looking at a $1.8 million improvement. Uh, South St. Paul SGS Fleming Field. They're looking at uh, $295,000. St. Cloud's $1 million, $1.014 million. Lake Elmo is 295000 I do not see a, a, a huge downside to this improvement, considering that our infrastructure needs to get improved on these airports. Yeah, that's right, Trevor. And if you want to look at more for your local area or state, the FAA has actually put up a map type site that you can you know, type in your state, type in your airport, and you can get more specific information that drills down to your local area. So we will put a link for that in the show notes, and you can take a look and see how that funding will be spent in your area. So every episode, we'll give you some news and information for our region, as well as some national news that may impact the Midwest region. So now that we've got the news out of the way, it's time to do some introductions so that you can all get to know Trevor and I a little bit better. Just to give you a little bit of background on myself, I'm a 10-year Air Force uh, veteran in the air transportation specialist field. Basically, what I do is I get the beans and bullets out to the troops. I am also a commercially rated pilot, uh, single engine land. Will be receiving my, hopefully, (laughs) uh, multi-engine commercial here in the next couple weeks, weather permitting and airplane maintenance permitting. You know, it's 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 aviation, so we kind of know what that uh, what that kind of plays into the into the realm of possibilities. Isn't that you schedule three flights and you can maybe take one of them? 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it, with the uh, with the weather in the Midwest, especially in Minnesota, it's been actually kind of nice over the over the course of the past I don't know four months. You know, it's it's actually been kind of nice to to wrap up some flight training. You know, knocking out commercial and um, now it's just maintenance on the airplane and you know a few Alberta Clippers here and there, and then we'll be back in the game. But uh, I'm actually transitioning. So I, I've been ten years in the military. And I'm actually transitioning from a from a ground support person, you know, getting the beans and bullets out to the troops, going back to uh, my roots, which is uh, flying. A little too old to be a to be a pilot, but I can still fly as an enlisted uh, enlisted aviator, as a flight engineer on our C-130s over here at the uh, Flying Gophers. Outside of that, I do a lot of volunteer work with an organization called Aerobridge. Lived in Minnesota for most of my life. Uh, been an airplane owner for almost ten years now. Until recently, I end up selling my beloved uh, Piper Cherokee. It's a PA-28-180, the precursor, the short body to the uh, the Hershey Bar and the Challenger um, PA-28 series. Really great airplane. Just didn't have enough time to, to fly it and get a new engine in, so it had to go bye-bye to, uh, I think, an airport in Maple, Maple Lake. So Trevor, you mentioned Aerobridge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Just a, a basic background of what that project is about? Yeah. So Aerobridge, it's one of my organizations that I, it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, I came on board a few years back when I became rigor qualified, parachute rigor qualified in the military, uh, specializing in, in aerial delivery, which is for those of you in, in the state of Minnesota and even in Illinois and a few other states that have uh, uh, cargo-based airplanes that have uh, the capability of doing, of doing airdrops, what are called airdrops. Basically, aircraft loads come out of the back of the airplane. I, uh, I, as a parachute rigger, am the one who's building that, uh, that cargo, packing the parachutes. Well, I approached this organization called Aerobridge, which was originally a, uh, uh, called CARE, which is Corporate Aviation Responding in Disasters, basically. And it's whenever there's a disaster, we will activate a group of pilots, all volunteers, 100% volunteers, and we will fly cargo missions into disaster areas. You know, we look at uh, Hurricane Katrina back in 05. Um, Aerobridge Care was was the previous name for it um, under Air Care Alliance. We flew supplies into to New Orleans. You look at Haiti, the earthquake in Haiti, the first time around, was it 10 years ago or so, we, we were flying a whole bunch of uh, corporate aviation assets into, into theater and then taking evacuees out of there, the ones that need medical attention and whatnot. Um, I, I came in back in 2017, and it's been a, a really, really phenomenal experience, especially when we were talking about you know, Irma, Harvey, and Maria, you know, talking about Texas getting walloped with, with Harvey, and then you know, the, the, the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, the Florida Keys getting hit with two Category 5 hurricanes. We did a lot of, you know, general aviation flying in PC-12s all the way down to Twin Comanches, uh, you know, Piper Senecas, all the way down to your Cessna 150s, hauling in cases of water, you know, MREs, insulin in some cases, even barbecue. We partnered up with another organization that does a similar, a similar mission with, with some barbecue. It is a bridge, if you would, an arrow bridge of supplies until the roads open up. So we bridge that gap until the roads open up. Then it's more efficient, more effective to get trucks on the roads in there because obviously our little airplanes can only hold, you know, two to 500 pounds each trip. It's a great organization. I, I highly recommend if anybody is looking to get into a volunteer aspect, 
not a whole lot that happens in the state of Minnesota or the or the Midwest. Uh, but definitely, if you have the if you have the uh, the means of going down to um, the Gulf Coast, for example, during hurricane season, we could always use uh, missions to get filled. We, uh, you know, during Harvey, we had a, a, a Cirrus guy go down from Minneapolis all the way down to Corpus Christi, delivered spam. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> airplane full of spam. There's a joke somewhere in there, but. I'm sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really cool concept, and I, I can't wait to hear more about it further on in the season as we uh, will likely deep dive that program a little bit further and hear more about it. So oh, yeah. thanks for that, Trevor. I just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone out there who has subscribed, liked, followed our social media at this point. We kind of put this up in one day to just see what would happen. And the feedback that we've gotten so far has been fantastic and beyond, I think, our wildest dreams of how this would go in day one. No kidding. I think it just goes to show that there is space for podcasts like this and uh, for the Midwest audience. So I'll give a brief overview of myself. As far as my aviation background, it goes back to my first actual flight was the back of a C-130 as a high school student um, in a JROTC program. And I fell in love with the views out the window, breathtaking, you know, and I think everyone who's had their first flight has had that experience of just being in awe of, you know, we're up here and just taking all that in. And to be in a C-130, that kind of lower and slower aircraft really kind of gave us a better view as opposed to your way up with the airliners and you don't get that same view. So I, I kind of fell in love with it then. Um, I joined the Air Force after high school and I did that for four years. I tried to get into an enlisted flying spot, um, either doing airborne refueling, low mass or something like that. And based on some of the vision tests, I didn't qualify. Um, so they decided since I, I don't have the greatest vision for that job, they would give me a gun and make me security forces. I don't know how that logic makes sense, but that's what they did. Um, at least that's been my dad's joke for years. He thinks it's hilarious to point that out. I did security forces in the Air Force for four years. Um, I was stationed in Las Vegas, Nevada at Nellis Air Force Base, um, which has just about every airframe type in the Air Force inventory come through it um, over the course of my four years there. Um, just a lot of really cool aircraft to see when they've got their red flag exercises especially the night operations, that's a sight to behold. Watching all those jets taken off, it's just really cool, all those night flights. And to have the backdrop of the Las Vegas skyline as you're watching these jets take off, just as you're pulling a security post, it's just really cool. So I've held on to that love of aviation. Uh, once I got out of the Air Force, it, it was a while before I actually got myself into an airplane to learn myself. And that itch came through Civil Air Patrol. It's an auxiliary of the Air Force. I thought about going back into the Air Force, but family timing wasn't right. So I ended up in Civil Air Patrol instead. And I met some really great people, some really great aviators through that program. And it got me into a small plane. And from there, I, I was hooked again. So I needed to go and do this on Which my own. you started. Yeah. So I started flying again in 2012. And from there, I've worked to get my instrument rating. Um, I'm working on my commercial rating right now um, with goals of eventually being a flight instructor. I love teaching people new things and I love aviation and it's a great combination of things. So that would be my long-term goal. I currently am a part owner of a Beechcraft Sundowner. Um, it's a 1974. We just purchased a hangar for it at the Blaine Airport in Blaine, Minnesota. Um, and that takes a lot of work to get that hangar in the condition we wanted. It's ours now. We, it's opposed to renting and bouncing back and forth between these different hangars. To have a hangar that's our own, to personalize it, make it ours. Um, it's, it's a really cool dream to follow, but it's also a lot of work. So uh, that takes up a lot of my free time right now. So I'm not as flying as much as I'd like to, but still a lot of hours at the airport. Oh, yeah. 
you know, you talk about the history of, of your aviation experience, you know, back in 2012, I still remember my first, my first flight lesson back in 01. You know, I, I just, uh, it was, you know, as, as, as terrible as it was, my, my first flight was the, was the Saturday before 9-11. You know, and, and I still remember in, in school, I still had the, the love of aviation. I, I, I did my first flight out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, out of Thunderbird Aviation. I still I still remember that old airplane, the Diamond Katana, the DA-20. And it was a great little airplane. But, you know, a few days later, you know, the world changed as we as we knew it. And we went into the, uh, the, the new world of, you know, unconventional warfare and and terrorism. So I remember back when I was in, you know, middle school and high school, you know, everybody asked me, hey, look, um, are you sure you want to fly? You look at what what happened there. Are you sure you still want to do this? Are you sure you still want to go in the military? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Like, never been more sure in my life. It's it's one of those things. It's it's a bug. You know, once once you get bit by it, you're you're pretty much you don't have you don't have money for drugs. You don't have money for all the other ancillary <laughs> things in life. I think you'd be preaching to the choir on that one in this in this audience. <laughs> I think we've all been bitten by the bugger. We wouldn't be here. That's right. So now that we've done some introductions, let's talk a little bit more about the origins of the podcast. Um, so Trevor, I'll have you start. Kind of just tell me your thoughts on how we got down this road. Sure. So this has been a brainchild for quite a few years, um, well before I joined one of the uh, one of Delta's subsidiaries. I was actually, uh, for a very short time, a, a ground instructor for new hire pilots and recurrent um, training, where we taught on the CRJ 700-900. And when I started going through the, uh, the the learning process and then the actual presentation of, of airplane systems and whatnot, I, I, I actually started enjoying talking about airplanes in a, in a deeper sense. And ultimately, what it's boiled down to is what would it look like if I were to A, start a podcast and find a team that would be able to start a podcast to help support it and have a little bit more know-how technologically speaking than me and then apply it towards you know say maybe a ground school eventually uh, one of my biggest goals in life is to become a, a flight instructor and, and more importantly a ground instructor I love talking about aviation I love talking about the whys you know why do we talk about circuit breaker resets in a general aviation airplane. You know, why do we maintain minimums when we're coming in for uh, for the final approach fix? Why do we do this? What's the whys in it versus, hey, you need to know this. And so we had a, um, Jim and I, we, we both had a mutual friend, um, you know, hats off to you, Seth, kind of brought us together. And, you know, this, this brainchild actually started birthing itself. And it was actually kind of a really cool, um, very unique situation and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, for me, it's not so much like you've got the instructing background, but you get into a group of pilots or aviation enthusiasts and you sit down and you start the hangar talk and you can sit there for hours and talk about aviation and airplanes and uh, different stories where not just necessarily, you know, the, the good stories either. We learn from each other all the time. Um, and I think that's so important. So I wanted to start a podcast kind of in that realm of just that hangar talk and learning from each other. There's a lot of aviation podcasts out there that I really enjoy. What I miss a little bit in some of those podcasts is that hometown feel. And there's a lot of really great people in this part of the country and a lot of great people doing great things within aviation in this part of the country. 
And I want to focus on that. And I think that as I was talking to our mutual friend, Seth, I was talking about this idea and he goes, Hey, let me introduce you to my buddy, Trevor. He's got the same kind of idea. He wants to do a podcast too. And I think we've really hit it off. Um, and we're both really excited about this endeavor together. You know, oh like yeah. I threw it, like how I threw endeavor in there. Yeah. yeah I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> That's making it in there. I'm not cutting that. Okay. <laughs> So our plan was to drag Seth through the mud in this, um, but realistically, he's he's a big part of why we're here together, um, putting this together. And before it was just kind of a, a back of the brain dream and or vision that we might get to one day. But um, since Seth has brought the two of us together, this has really taken off, and it's really exciting. I have I'm to really be honest, I, I'm I'm floored with all the with all the support and all the uh, the enthusiasm that that is just popping up organically. Oh yeah, it's been fantastic, and I. That's one of the things that I'd like to see with this too, that, yeah, me and you might be the host, but at the end of the day, this, this podcast belongs to a community mm-hmm. and to get that feedback, that interaction, the, the camaraderie really, I think is going to be just really awesome. As our slogan on our website and the podcast says, we're connecting aviators in America's heartland. And I think that's really become evident um, as we've launched the social media aspect of this, that that we're all out here and we're all connecting already. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Well, in addition to that, think about it. What What's in America's heartland? You look at, you know, just south of Minnesota, you've got Iowa, then you got Missouri, but what's a little bit farther from there? You're looking at Kansas. What's in Kansas? You've got Beach Factory, you've got Cessna, you've got all these different airplane manufacturers that are out there. And it's kind of cool to see how it kind of morphs and how it applies to the Midwest. Like you said, I think, I think Midwest is, is it's flyover country for a reason. No pun intended, but that's okay. I did one earlier. You can do one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, You know, Minnesota has a lot of great um, airports. Wisconsin has a lot of great airports. You know, we've got a lot of topography just in the Midwest. You look at South Dakota, you look at the Badlands, you get, you get a lot of the, the elevation kind of flying versus a lot of the coastal kind of flying. You go more, more east. So we've got, we definitely have a huge um, niche that you can bring the coast to coast a little bit smaller. You can, you can, you can close those, those gaps pretty significantly. Well, and if you want to talk about coasts, I mean, look at all the Great Lakes. There's some beautiful flying by the Great Lakes, especially in the fall when you've got the leaves changing. It's just, it's gorgeous up there. Yeah. Oh, you, you go up through Milwaukee, go through Lake Michigan, you go up, you know, um, Ashland, you go up to, you know, two harbors in Minnesota, you just going all, all along there, you're going to see all the bluffs and all the tree colors. It's, it's something to remember for a lifetime. Definitely a lot of different flying to, to be had around here. Absolutely. So one of the things we want to do is like a This Week in Aviation History. This week in particular has been, a, a there's some big events this week in aviation history. Yeah. What, uh, you know, quick pop quiz for all of our listeners. What happened on the 17th back in uh, early 1900s? If you don't know this, just give me your certificate. Yeah, right, right. It's <laughs> on your certificate. Oh, it is. <laughs> Birth of flight. Birth of powered flight. See, I um, thought we were going to go a different direction with this. I thought you were going to say the birth of an amazing podcast this week in history. Is that so? We're going to go with the Wright brothers instead. Uh, that's fair, actually. 
We we wouldn't be here without them. So that that's I'm gonna allow it. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, the podcast is is you know it, it's neck and neck. Um, <laughs> I mean, they lasted for twelve seconds. We last for twelve seconds. <laughs> I, I hope this has a little bit more than a 12 second run. Uh, right. No, no. Um, and then, you know, we look back, you know, fast forward to uh, quite a few years, 1988. Actually, the, the 21st is the anniversary of uh, the Lockerbie Pan Am bombing. So yep. a couple a couple major aviation events in, the, in this week. And, uh, you know, hopefully as we continue with the podcast, we will uh, we'll be providing you guys with some aha moments uh some very notable experiences in the uh, in the world that uh, that pertain to us as pilots thanks for that trevor yeah I, th- I think that's important to cover that historical element of it so we're going to focus on that every podcast to make sure that we talk about the historical elements of aviation it's our history it's where we came from and it hopefully will encourage some of our listeners and other aviators to keep moving forward and making our own history right i i don't know of any other industry that has progressed by leaps and bounds the way aviation has. You look Absolutely. at uh, you look at uh, weight shift powered flight way back in the very beginning to what we have nowadays, which is computers flying basically drones with humans in them. If we were to boil it down to that, I've never I've never known an industry to to grow by leaps and bounds like you know to where we're at today. So let's keep on pushing the envelope. Absolutely, Safety. it really is remarkable when you think about how far this industry has gone. Speaking of pushing the envelope, every podcast, we will have a CFI Minute. Uh, newly minted CFI, she will be joining us with her story on becoming a CFI in, in a predominantly male industry. Her name's Maddie, um, kind of the hurdles that she overcame. She has a very unique perspective on aviation and some subjects that we're going to spend some time on, hopefully to empower our listeners to really get back to the books, you know, hone their craft, so to speak. So we will be bringing her in every couple episodes. I think that touched on something really important too. We can be, you know, all legal to fly. We can have all of our currency, but how proficient are we really at the end of the day? And it's a matter of honing those skills and practicing those skills and staying proficient. That's going to keep all of us safe, make us better aviators. Yeah. Now, I, I like to plug Jason Shepard because he is one of those guys that he defined mastery in aviation. You know, when we look at aviation as a whole, we are all student pilots. You know, we all will have crappy landings at some point. You know, so we've got we've got a lot of opportunities to, to grow and learn. So we have a lot of experience to share with everybody. And we want to make sure that everybody's flying safely because we all know you know, I, I can I can vouch. I've got people that I've known that have uh, perished through uh, through foolish decisions. So we want to make sure that those stories are remembered for not just for learning's sake, but their memories are forever ingrained in in a uh, in in a sort of memorial. Right. I like what you said about Jason Shepard and how he ends his shows with a good pilot's always learning. When I got my my private certificate. That's exactly what my examiner said to me. Finished all the paperwork. I got that temporary certificate and um, she handed it to me and said, this is your license to learn. And that's been embedded in my mind ever since and incredibly beneficial. And that's why I've continued to push forward with moving towards different ratings and moving towards, you know, teaching others because you learn a lot through teaching as well. Yeah. What better way to become a master in your aviation experience is digesting that material, 
and figuring out how to teach it to somebody else so they can understand it. Absolutely. That goes, that goes beyond that rote memorization. So as we bring in different guests, we thought it would be fun to give them a little pop quiz um, through each episode. So just to give you an idea how that would go, you can play along at home and I'm going to quiz Trevor on some great aviation movie quotes and see if he can tell me what movie they're from. And I'll give you a bonus points if you can tell me which character in the movie said it. How about that? Oh boy. <laughs> you think you can handle it? All right. Uh, yeah, let's, let's roll it. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. The quote is, there's no reason to become alarmed and we hope you'll enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? <laughs> That's actually one of the few movies I've seen. Airplane, it's uh, Elaine, the stewardess. Absolutely, you got it, my man. All right, you ready for the next one? Yep. You know, the easy one to do would be, I feel the need, the need for speed, but that's, I'm not gonna give you a curveball like that. You're gonna have to work for it. All right. All right, here's the next one. The FAA and the NTSB took 10 pilots, placed them in simulators, recreated the events that led to this plane falling out of the sky. Do you know how many of them were able to safely land the planes? Not one. Every pilot crashed the aircraft, killed everybody on board. You were the only one who could do it. Is that flight? It is. It is flight. Whip says that to Captain Whitaker, played by Denzel Washington. You got it, man. You made it seem like you weren't going to be able to do this. Well, I, I don't watch movies, so. You got it, though. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. All right, here's, we'll do two more here. All right. This one might be a curveball. All right. Two of your snot-nosed jockeys did a flyby on my tower at over 400 knots. I want somebody's butts. I want it now. I've had it. Uh, it's going to be Top Gun. Yep, sure is. Sure uh, is. It's the, it's the Admiral. I can't remember what it is. Is it the Admiral? I think it was just the Air Boss in the tower. Air Boss? Yeah. I don't know. And for the last aviation movie quote for this episode, another possible curveball. The quote is, can we get serious now? Oh, that's Sully. Sully. Sully the man. We'll make them a little bit more challenging next time. But for, you know, for your first time, we wanted to go easy on you. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. You're, I don't, you're welcome. I don't watch a whole lot of movies, but uh, obviously aviation is in my blood. So aviation movies is where it's at. You know, for a guy who doesn't watch a whole lot of movies, you seem to have gotten every single one of these. <laughs> it leads me to believe that the only movies you watch are aviation movies. Aviation and military. See, there we go. Yep. So Jim, what do we have in store for uh, 2022? So there's a lot of concepts that we're working on for 2022. So each week we hope to bring you a guest or topic that we hope will enhance, engage the Midwest aviation community. It could be weather, it could be you know seasonal things that are going on. Take our next episode, for example. We're gonna be talking about winter flying, something that we all have to deal with. We all have to work through it. It can be super beneficial once you get up there. It's some beautiful, smooth flying but there's some certain considerations that we have to take to make sure that we do it safely. Um, and as the year progresses, we'll talk about buying an airplane, what's entailed in that. There's some people on Facebook that have asked us to talk about that. The inspections, insurance, where are you going to house the airplane? We'll ask some questions about becoming a CFI. I think Trevor and I both have a vested interest in this a little bit as we move towards that part of our aviation career. But what are some things that Maddie wishes she knew as she went through that process? Are there things she'd do differently? Are there things that she did really well that would be a benefit for any of our listeners that are progressing towards a CFI rating? Uh, crew resource management stories, um, both good and bad. 
because we're in the Midwest and because it's right next door, AirVenture. You got to believe we're going to talk about AirVenture at some point. And we'll talk to some air traffic controllers. We'll talk to some folks about spring and summer weather as we get into those months um, and the weather's changing on us. It's a good refresher to remember the types of weather we're about to be flying in. At the end of the day, Trevor and I may be your hosts, but this is a community podcast. So if you have any topics, areas of concern, things you want us to cover, by all means, drop us a line on one of our social media accounts, our email. We'd be happy to talk to you. We'd be happy to cover any topic that you think is relevant for the community. So before we go, we'll preview one more feature of the podcast for you. It's going to be unpopular aviation opinions. So each week we hope to ask our guests or each other for an unpopular aviation opinion, or if you have an unpopular aviation opinion that you're willing to go out on a limb on on social media, have at it or message us directly so that no one beats you up in the comments too badly. Um, and we'll share those each week. So Trevor, what's your unpopular aviation opinion? Cause everyone's got opinions on things. Oh yeah. What, what is your unpopular opinion on something aviation related? Pilots need to learn how to fly without a bleep and iPad. You know, I actually agree with you. Mm-hmm. Cause you never know when that equipment or technology is going to fail on you. You need yep. to know how to fly without the reliance on the technology. That's right. I've had, I've had multiple iPad failures. I've flown in airplanes that don't have outlets for them. So running off battery. I've had, I've had iPads heat up in the sun without iPads. You know, most of our, most of our pilot populace, the younger generation, they wouldn't know how to navigate. I, I fear. Yeah. It's all about follow the magenta line, right? As long as you can stay on that track, you're good to go. Yep. And a lot of people don't realize that, that those, those iPads, they're not FAA approved. They're, they're advisory only. Yeah. Great tool all the same, but yeah, you need to know how to operate and function within the aircraft without that tool. That's right. Now, just to be difficult and to add a little bit of a hook to make you listen again, I'm not going to share mine until next time. So tune in next time. You can hear my unpopular aviation opinion. And then as we progress forward, we will ask all of our guests for their unpopular aviation opinion, and we'll talk about it a little bit. All right, Trevor, what do we have in store for our next episode? So next episode, we're going to bring you some more news and information. We will also introduce our resident CFI, Maddie. We will talk about her upbringing, her challenges of becoming a CFI. And then we're also going to have her introduce our CFI Minute. In addition to Maddie, we're going to have her join us while we talk about winter flying and so much more. And if you have any ideas for future segments or questions you'd like to ask, feel free to contact us on any of our social media platforms, or you can email us at flymidwestpodcast at gmail.com. Before we go, just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday Season. We're so happy that you joined us for this preview episode of the podcast, and we can't wait to see you in the new year. So with that, I think that uh, Trevor and I both have some presents to go wrap and some old sectionals to get ready for our families. Isn't that right, Trevor? 1996, Chicago area. There you go. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. So long. And as a treat for sticking around with us through the episode, 
we would like to grace you with outtakes. Our own little gag reel of how we're just a couple of guys putting together a podcast and trying to have a good time. Enjoy. You may continue. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's look at the old scripture in here. Can you give me the prompt again? <laughs> I don't remember what I said. <laughs> well, let's just make it up again. We'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's the joy of this. As the cheesy slogan of our podcast says, um, what the hell does it say? <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> that's getting cut. <laughs>